and welcome to, I think it's episode six of the Digital Access Show. Today's guest is someone I've been wanting to interview for a while. I met her through a networking group called BX and the way Grace tackles life head on and with a laugh is just such, she's a great person for me to follow in the way she manages life. I'd like to introduce you all to Grace Cameron. Grace is the director and owner of Sunlight Bookkeeping, but I'm going to let Grace tell you a little bit about Grace and Grace's story. Hi, Grace. Thanks for being here. Hey, Narelle. Thank you for having me. Oh, as I said, I'm excited to have you here. Grace, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? what you do, what Sunlight Bookkeeping's about? Um, well, I suppose I'll go back a little bit from before that because that helps me start. Yeah. Um, my first career was actually in landscape architecture. I wanted to be a glamorous designer, but I'm actually not very good at design. So... In my career as landscape architecture, I did analysis and budgets and construction contracts and um, numbers. Then I got meningitis in 2010 and developed POTS. So my POTS means that I spend 20 to 23 hours a day lying down. I'm lying down right now. I have the the screen above me and the camera above me. Um, What's POTS? Can you explain? It's postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And it's actually becoming more common and there's more of a focus on it because a lot of people with long COVID developed POTS. So there's new research happening in it, which hopefully will provide some insights and some benefits soon. But essentially my body doesn't maintain my blood pressure properly. So um, we have different things that we can do to increase blood pressure and um but my heart has to compensate my heart has to work harder to keep blood circulating properly around my body so if I sit up for too long I get dizzy and I can't think because my brain isn't getting enough oxygen okay so basically you lie down most of the time I lie down most of the time and when it first happened, I spent years mostly on my own in my bedroom, yeah. bored and isolated and just challenged getting through the basic tasks of caring for myself and my family helping to care for me um, and eventually getting adequate supports through state government funding and then through the NDIS um, changed changed a lot for me and enabled me to go back and retrain and study. Yeah. Um, I looked at my skills and my interests. I've had an interest in small business um, for a long time and from landscape architecture I brought creative problem solving and numbers and analysis and so I picked bookkeeping because I could do that, incorporate all those things and do it lying down. And I started my business and we launched in 
February, the first of February last year. So we're I've just had a birthday. And happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. Um it's been it's been a fantastic, amazing um process because it's changed so much for me. I have I still spend all my time, well, most of my time lying down, but now I have access to um, the business community through networking and through my clients and through my team um, members and just all these inspiring people in my life. I'm learning so much about different things and it's just a lot more richness and I feel like so much has opened up for me so what was the reason like at that point when you were sitting in your room by yourself what was that reason that made you change was it you didn't like your life at that time and you said well there's got to be something better was it oops I've got the funding now that I can now change my life and make it better was it what was it was it family saying come on Grace no, I had um, I had Centrelink had me on disability and said that I couldn't work actually, yeah. and family saying that I couldn't push myself, that it'd be too hard and I shouldn't work. Yeah. But once I had the funding and the extra support, I had that pressure relieved from just keeping myself clean and fed and those fundamental um, tasks that you have to do and yeah. I wanted challenge I just wanted something more but also I wanted financial security a long-term interest in my life I wanted access to things outside um, yeah and that I think I, I've always been a little bit of a workaholic yeah. <laughs> and I think returning to work was probably a natural um, kind of, I suppose, yeah, idea for me. Just With your journey, so you've taken it in a year from yeah. an idea no. to, to a complete I, business. No, uh, there was quite a bit of preparation before the launch. Okay, yep. So it was February 1st I opened for new clients and I think for a year and a half before that we had been doing um some preparation I'd been been doing some training in small business and had help from a program that helps um ignite that helps people with disability start businesses and we created a business plan and I had some family friend clients to kind of practice my systems on so Yeah, it was still in a year. You've taken this business quite a long way. I mean, I know there was one conference that you were trying to get me to go to, and I'm saying, (laughs) Oh, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. You've done it. And what was your experience at that conference? Because one of my things is obviously when I'm at home, I'm in my own space, I'm very confident. Yes. Very able to manage anything, but take me out of a space that I know. And I find it much harder. The systems aren't there. The tools aren't yeah. there. What about for you? How did you manage the conference? 
it was a bit of a test. Mm. Um, it was only an hour from my home. Yeah. So I had the backup of someone would come and get me and I'd be able to run away if I needed to. But actually it worked really well. There was yeah. a bit of planning that was required. Um, I had a an electric wheelchair that reclined and the place I was staying was in wheelchair wheeling distance yeah. to the um to the conference center that and the staff at the conference center were fantastic yeah. I wouldn't that that couldn't have been planned but that's the way it turned out had a woman <laughs> she told me that because she's short she's used to not being able to reach things yeah. and recognize that because I was in a chair I couldn't reach some of the food at the, yeah. on the lunch table so she met me every day and um, helped me kind of dish a plate up for lunch and uh, yeah she came up to me to suggest that it wasn't okay. I, yeah what other accommodations did you make to enable you to attend the conference was there much else um I I had a bit of communication with BX. It was a BX mm -hmm. conference beforehand yeah. about um, just understanding how it would run, what was happening between the rooms so that I had an idea. And um, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot that I had to do differently. I didn't know how I would go out all day in the wheelchair because I had never tried that before. Yeah, I spent all of the time during the talks lying down in the wheelchair yeah. and I didn't attend all of the conference but I still was able to do more than I had been able to do before having that wheelchair and um what about networking were you able to network well at the conference did the wheelchair inhibit you in any way from networking um I don't think the wheelchair inhibited me I some of it was sitting down at tables. So um, I was the same height as people. I found mm. I met a lot of people that I had already met online and having that relationship already was really lovely to meet them in person. Yeah. I didn't spend as much time at the conference for networking. I think a lot of the the evening things I didn't go to. and So... I was more interested in testing my capacity to attend something that, that took longer and listening to the speakers. The speakers were amazing. and But I did spend some time networking. So now you've done a conference like that, do you think you'd go again? Yeah, I think I would. And I'd be more confident doing it further away from home. I think I, yeah. No, knowing I've done the trial run, I would be able to do it again. Because you have to spend most of your time lying on your back, how do you get your clients? It, you know, do you still, obviously you're not very mobile. So what yeah. are the techniques that you use that would be different because you can't go to a lunch or... Well, you know, I do there. go... To I do go to some local networking. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I have some some upright time is what I call it. Yeah. 
um, and I use that sometimes for local networking. I really wanted to connect in. There's online networking as well, but I really wanted to connect into my local community yeah. and meet some people face-to-face. -face. So I do attend some local events. Um, yeah. I'm in Ballina, Northern New South Wales, so we have a local networking group called Byron and Beyond. Mm -hmm. And they've been really supportive and I've met some great people through that yeah but most of my clients I've got through I suppose introductions so either I meet one person at a networking event like you and they introduce me to other people that I then meet digitally yeah. and yeah. So what do you do differently with your digital equipment, with your computers? Do you use anything much different to what the normal person uses? Um, well, I would have said no, but <laughs> we were talking before and I realised that actually I do. Yeah. I have a, um, a breadboard on my lap with a... Uh, um ergonomic keyboard and a trackball mouse sitting on top of my it's a serving platter actually yeah yeah, yeah. um it's and my technology tool isn't it it is and i actually used a, the a matching serving platter to help modify the wheelchair <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. um and i've got screens on monitor arms which means that they can be positioned in a way that works for me, above me. Okay. So basically if someone was lying on their bed and thinking yeah. about it, where you like I'm sitting up and looking at my screen, you're lying yeah. down and it's above you with arms connected to the monitors to bring it above you. Yes. And the monitors are what connected to the roof or No, I've got a um it's a bed desk that oh, okay. that the monitor arms attached to. Yes. So, yeah. so it is something. What and you talked about the mouse. It was slightly different. You said it's the trackball mouse. So when I used a standard mouse on my um on my serving platter, if yeah. I took my hand off it, the mouse would roll <laughs> down down the angle of the um yeah of the board, and so it would move to the bottom of my screen which means if you want to then click on something else, you have to move it back up. And yeah, was, yeah. trackball mice, the mouse is still, but there's a ball that rolls. Okay. So it doesn't roll if I take my hand off it. Yeah. And what about the keyboard? You said there was something slightly different with the keyboard. It's an ergonomic keyboard and they're designed so they have an angle in the middle. So yeah. half the keys face on one angle and the other half face on the other angle. And that works better with my elbows resting on the couch. So you've really taken tools that are mainstream tools and adjusted yes. them to make it fine for you. Yeah, I created my setup on a disability pension before I had um, before I had NDIS support. Okay. So everything was done on... A budget and mostly 
except for the trackball mouse, mm. mostly from Kmart. <laughs> um, and what about like even the desk itself? It's just the standard desk, is it? Or? The desk came from Kmart. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Because people often make assumptions that employing someone with disability requires major modification. It's true. The The most challenging part has been the ergonomic um, wedges for my back and for my legs. Yeah. Um, so that I don't end up with pressure, oh, yeah. pressure pain. But those again, it was just a little bit of trialing to see what worked for me, yeah. and they were not the ones I'm using right now. I think were sixty dollars each, so one hundred and twenty in total. Yeah, not significant yeah. outlay. And you you work an eight hour day. Well, actually, you own your own, you own the business, so you're probably working a lot more than that. I do sometimes, but yeah. I am told limited with my heart. I'm supposed to work four hour days. Oh, okay. So I work. You're, sorry, you're running a business on four hours a day, so you're a very efficient, effective person because. Your business, and let people know how many people are you got employed for you. Well, we just have our sixth team member starting shortly, who is going to be a practice manager, and I'm very excited to have um, a practice manager come on board because running a business four hours a day, um, it has been really hard, and I I need help with that. So. I often am not able to stop after four hours. And when I don't stop after four hours, my health is compromised. So I'm looking forward to be able to hand over some of the admin tasks. You're just, you're brilliant, Grace. And, you know, obviously I am a big fan of yours. Only because of the ingenuity that you've used to adapt so that you can start your own business. What are the challenges you find with clients if they realise that you have this disability? Um, I haven't had any, actually. So I think one of the things about bookkeeping is it's an industry that's already set up for remote work. Yeah. Um, I've had, I find the challenges, the challenges I have, the barriers to communication I have with clients are mostly either they're not confident in technology or the need to share information securely and cybersecurity practices. So yeah. um, for me, both are about education. So I can teach people how to use fairly simple software mm. and we can create systems that work for them. Some, yeah, work with each client to find something that works for them that, that isn't too onerous with the um, cybersecurity because if if the barrier is too big, if it feels like too much of a bother, they're not going to use the system. They're just going to email things to me and that um, then they're putting themselves at risk with having their financial information be transmitted in an insecure way. I feel like 
that's a bit of a theme in what we've been talking about previously. If you, if something is too hard to use or too hard to understand, you're not going to bother. So if you want to communicate your message, if you want to have people use your service, you make it as easy as possible. And that is all really what digital accessibility is about, isn't it? And I think it's also recognising that everyone's different. Right. Everyone has a slightly different communication style. Um, like for me, I did park run this morning and, yeah, I did half the park run with my guide dog, but my sighted guide was ready so that I've got a my I've only had my guide dog for eight months now and we're still trying to get him up to that speed and for the distance so that he's you know he can do it and so when it hit that uh, two and a half three k mark it was he said no I'm done and his communication style was I'll just go a bit slower <laughs> and so I knew and my sighted guide said okay take him off harness he's on leash and I was on the tether and we completed the park run. Did we do a PB? No, we didn't. Did that matter? No, because we still did the park run mm -hmm. and it's only 5K and I, I still succeeded. I, you know, But I have to remember that right now until my guide dog is at that level where he can you know, do the walk, jog, walk, jog, which is what I like to do that it's going to take time. And I just think anyone in when you do something new has that barrier. It's not a barrier, is it? It has that challenge. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You've got to learn how to do it. Yeah. I suppose what I meant was if a screen reader is going to read your website out of order, all the information oh. is still there, but yeah. are you really going to expect someone to try and piece that together or they're just going to give up good point and I've got to admit lately I've been giving up because I just don't have the time Grace I just yeah. need to um get in do what I need to do and get out again I'm you know whatever the application is or but you know I need that piece yeah. one piece of information I don't want to spend half an hour trying to work out how the website's built yes good point I just, and, yeah, I move on. Yeah. And it breaks my heart. Like the having having this business and having all these, um, being able to do so much mm. through the digital world has opened up so much for me. And it breaks my heart that it's not accessible to everyone. I think I always thought of the internet as universal. Yeah. Obviously, you need to have the economic means to have a mobile or a computer to access it, but I didn't realise how limited it was for people that use assistive technology. And it it should be there for everyone. It should, and particularly people that are isolated in different ways that can could communicate and could access things digitally. I think that's one of the things I always think about with you, Grace. You talked earlier in the piece where you were very isolated, you were in your room, you were very isolated, you weren't meeting people and then you got that 
impetus and you know you had the reason and you knew what you wanted to do and in a space of two and a half years you've changed your whole life so now I say oh have you spoken to Grace Cameron and someone's like oh no I've got to go and speak to Grace she'll know about whatever it is and now you're getting the name for knowing about you know the particular types of challenges that you take on with bookkeeping and to me you having pot is the sideline your main thing is you're a darn good bookkeeper you take on those challenging book work where you know there's issues whatever it is and you sort it out and get them back on get the business back on course or aid the businesses to get back on course and that's the other thing I think hiring a person with disability we are problem solvers aren't we right and we have an understanding of of other people having challenges and I think I take that for me one of my passions is when I speak to business owners I want them to understand their business I want them to understand what their numbers are doing I want them to see their business changing as it's changing so they can act early if expenses are going up and profit margins are shrinking you want to recognize that early so that you've got time to plan rather than when change hits you in the face and you have to react and but most people aren't really into numbers and data and so working out how I can communicate with each client what what they need to understand those things um that that is the most exciting thing for me and I think also maybe the most powerful thing for my clients being able to use that whether they're numbers people or not or whether they like graphs or (laughs) um you're looking at their method of communication and the way they feel the most comfortable to get the message yeah and trying to work together we don't always get it it takes time to get it right but then when we know we can keep create a template really for that that client to to keep each month communicating the the change that we can see in the data right what would you say to any person with disability about finding work or starting a business? What's the one tip or idea that Mm. you would say to help them break out of that isolation? Um, There's two tips, actually, and they're not just for people with disability. I think Mm -hmm. these tips are for anyone. The first one is to think of continuous improvement rather than perfectionism. So if you're looking for something that's perfect, it's really hard to start. But if you can just start on something small and know that you'll improve it over time, it's much easier to get started. And the other one that I used in my business, my, my business coach actually said it to me early on and it's been brilliant and when you have a piece of advice instead of thinking I can't do that because of this I can't do that because that requires me to go out of the house and go see people face to face I think 
I like I like the concept. So how can I make that work for me? And take out parts that parts of that concept. And so an example is accountant meetings. As often people suggest to bookkeepers go knock on the doors of yeah. all of the accountants in your neighborhood and introduce yourself and set yeah. up meetings with them. That doesn't work for me, but I can do it digitally. Yeah. So yeah. Great. Thanks. I think you've got such a powerful message to give across and I appreciate your time today. I really do. And just sitting here and looking at what you've done in the last two and a half years, oh, yeah, and congratulations, Grace. Thank you. you. know, you are an exciting person to sit back and watch to see where your journey takes you. So thanks. I've had a lot of help and I, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of fantastic advice and I think it just came back to, doing small changes, trying to do a small change each week or trying to implement something in a way that worked for me regularly and not having perfect as the goal but having improvement as the goal. Thanks. Thanks so much for your time today. So, Grace, how can people contact you? Um, Well, Sunlight Bookkeeping is my business and our phone number is... 02668575858 or you can email me at grace at sunlightbookkeeping.com.au uh, If you want a great bookkeeper, talk to Grace. If you want inspiration and understanding that <laughs> there's no such thing as a barrier, it's a challenge and the challenge is able to be met, not sometimes the way you would think, because let's face it, Grace has just done a podcast lying on her back on Clover, according to <laughs> the screen. And she's done it with a laugh. And yeah, Grace is the per Grace is just someone that to meet. If you ever get the chance, meet Grace Cameron. So I'm the real. And thanks everyone. See you next episode of digital access show. Thank you, Narelle. Oh.